What would it mean if I asked you what your Christian age is? How old are you in Jesus? Or how much does your physical age impact your spiritual age? If an older person and a young adult are sitting in church, is it right to assume that the older person must be wiser in the things of God than the younger? How can you tell what a person's spiritual age is? And does it really matter? Would the Bible describe you as a baby, still needing milk in regard to spiritual things? Have you met anyone who seems to be overeating spiritual teachings, but who seems to be stunted in godly growth? I hope to do two things in this episode of God's Adopted. One, to help us each take a realistic look at our own spiritual age. And two, to give you a kind of a checklist that might be helpful for you to continue to grow in your walk with God, no matter what age you are. And as an added bonus, if we can see how God loves us where we are at right now, then maybe it can also help us to love others where they are too. Howdy, welcome to God's Adopted. I'm here to help encourage you to grow in faith through stories, teaching, and practical examples so you can experience more of God in and through your life. When we get born again, He adopts us. This podcast is here to encourage us all to grow in becoming the children of God He's adopted us to become. Join me and learn to do like Peter did. Let's get out of the boat and step on the water with Jesus. Heavenly Father, I come to you now with my brother or sister who's listening with me, and I pray that you would encourage us and build us up in our, in our faith. And I pray that you would guide me in the things that I say and how that I say them. And I pray that you would bless your word and your truths in your love, in Jesus' name, amen. When I was first born again, I was a parachute infantryman in the 82nd Airborne Division during the first Gulf War. And it's kind of like I would say, you know, the, the old song, this little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. For me, it was kind of like this little flamethrower of mine and, and I was gonna light you up. And the people around me, they had to experience all of that. But what does that mean? Why am I saying this? Well, I'm saying it because I was a baby Christian. And you know what babies do? They act like babies. And you know what I did? Well, when I was around people, especially people close to me, you know, the, the ones who were closest to me, I mean, in the Army, that would have been a group of soldiers that was in the 82nd Airborne Division All-American Chorus. I mean, we, we sang as an a cappella group representing the army, but we also had to go and do our jobs in the first Gulf War. And so these guys were closest to me and they had to experience Victor after he became a baby Christian. And I just, you know, what do babies do? Well, they spit up, don't they? And, and they make messes and sometimes it's kind of stinky. Am I right? Baby Christians do that too, and they do it in different ways. I'm not going to describe them, but if you've ever experienced that, you know exactly what I mean. Why am I saying this? Because back to the idea, what's our spiritual age? How old are we in Jesus? What does that even mean? Uh, let's go on with this analogy a little further. A short time after I'd been born again and we returned from the war, from the Gulf War, I guess you could say maybe I was kind of like a two-year-old. Or, you know, <laughs> I was still a baby in some ways, in a lot of ways. And I was at this home group meeting with, you know, a group of other people and everything. And someone had shared how, 
how they had lost somebody, but someone they cared about, a loved one, and they were going through a hard time. And, you know, little baby Victor spoke right up. Well, you just got to trust God with that and give it to the Lord and he'll comfort you. And it wasn't really time for that. But baby Victor didn't know that. In that home group, a short time after all of that occurred, like after some teaching and prayer time and stuff like that, an older brother in the Lord pulled me aside and he shared with me, you know, Victor, maybe you are right in what you're thinking there, but the way that you said it, the way, the way that it was taken and, and the timing of it, you know, you could hurt someone like that. And they knew I didn't want to hurt anybody. And I, I never want to hurt anybody on purpose. And definitely not in any kind of a mean way or anything like that. But this older brother in the Lord was just really trying to help me understand that, you know, just because you know something and you can say it doesn't make the timing of it or the approach of it doesn't make it necessarily right. And I was learning something at that moment. I was being rebuked and disciplined, really, wasn't I? And that was over over 20-something years ago, over 30 years ago. Oh, my goodness, getting older. But I still remember it pretty clearly. And I took that to heart so much that I'm even sharing about it today. But what am I talking about? I'm talking about levels of maturity, really, aren't I? After I was born again, God was, he had welcomed me into his family. He had given me a spirit of adoption, just like the Bible says. And I was growing up in the Lord and I was being discipled, becoming a disciple of Jesus with the help of the Holy Spirit and the word of God, as well as in fellowship with other believers. And all of these things are all part of what it means to grow in the Lord and grow up in the Lord. And I can tell you that sometimes it was just, it was like just me and the Bible. And the Lord was discipling me through himself and his Holy Spirit and his word and prayer and, and in that personal relationship and devotion times and everything. And sometimes I actually had somebody who was there with me, who was encouraging me, kind of guiding me and mentoring me. They were discipling me, weren't they? And this is what Jesus had said in his great commandment to go and make disciples of the nations. Whose disciples? Jesus's disciples. And so we become a disciple and we make more disciples for Jesus. We guide people to grow as students in Jesus. And, and so this has happened through the years for me. And I can tell you different seasons of life. It was pretty much like there's been seasons. And sometimes it's been a person, an individual. Sometimes it's been a book. Maybe I was reading a book of a great man or woman of God and how God worked with them and how, how they interacted with God and how that grew in a relationship. And, and God was able to bless me through reading their story of their life, their testimonies. And other times it was just me and the Bible. And sometimes there would be a person in my life who was kind of mentoring me as an older brother in the Lord. Sometimes it was more formalized where actually we met 
knowing that they were discipling me. I was receiving teaching in the Lord from them, as well as learning how to minister and apply God's truths in my own lives and then also in other people's lives too. Sometimes it was by being part of a church in a community of believers, and I was being discipled by the Lord through that community as a part of that community also. And why am I saying all of this? Well, in today's episode, I really am hoping that it can be about encouraging you to be aware of your current level of maturity in Jesus and to get some help for all of us or others to keep growing in the Lord. My hope is also that as we see God more clearly, we can learn to consider ourselves and others through his love more clearly also, through God's love. What is a person's Christian age based on? Their level of maturity, of applying what they have learned from God in their life. Now, where did they learn what they've learned? The Holy Spirit, Jesus, Father God, personal Bible study, prayer, mentors in the Lord, the church, maybe home groups or small fellowships. How about living, just life in this world that we live in? Yes, the answer is yes, all of the above. I like to say, you know, you know, God can only speak to us and how God can speak to us. Well, he's God. I think that God can figure out a way as if he had to figure it out. He knows how to speak to each one of us in a way that we can hear from him. And if you haven't been hearing from God lately, then I want to encourage you one of two things. One, ask him to be speaking to you so that you can hear from him. And two, if you already heard from him, even if it's been a while, but he had asked you to do something and you haven't done it, you've left it undone, then I want to encourage you to go back, take care of what God had told you to do so that you can keep growing in the Lord, right? This is all part of growing in the Lord and also considering our maturity level and where we're at ourselves. Can a person be more mature in one area of life than in others? Of course, the answer is yes, they can be. We can be, me included. There's some areas of life that I need to keep growing in. For example, emotions and stuff and, and dealing with people on an emotional level more and more. I mean, I've grown over the years, absolutely, but definitely can use more improvement. How about in teaching? Why well, I can teach. I, I'm pretty strong in teaching some areas like that and in learning and stuff like that. And what about finances? Well, some areas of finances, I'm better than other areas of finances. Now, what if I look at other people? Could I say that some people are more mature than other people? Well, I mean, we know that's true, even outside of God. Haven't you ever met an adult who acts like a kid? I mean, there's, there's a time to play and everything, and you can act like a kid, but there's a time to be an adult too, isn't there? Of course. <laughs> and haven't you ever met somebody who's just really immature? Like they really are, their, their growth has been stunted in some area of life. Well, that can happen in our spiritual lives as well. Who do we need to depend on the most in understanding what we are accountable for in our walk 
with the Lord, each of us. Who do you think it is that we need to, to depend on the most in understanding what we need to be accountable for? Jesus. I'm sure that's I'm sure that's what came to your mind is Jesus. It's it's the Lord. Let me give you an example. I could give you a list, or a church could give you a list, or somebody could give you a list of a hundred ways to be a good child of God. And my list could be good. It could be a good list. But it doesn't mean that you understand each item on my list. What if God taught me those hundred things, but he hasn't taught you those hundred things yet? And I could even teach you everything on my list, but all that would prove is that I taught you those things on my list. It still wouldn't prove that you learned them or understood those things in a way that the Lord wants you to. And now, what if I hold you accountable to those hundred things on my list? I might be wrong. What if the Lord only taught you 20 things on that list and I'm holding you accountable for a hundred things on that list? That doesn't do you any good. And it doesn't do me any good either. Ideally, it's okay for me to teach you what I believe the Lord wants me to teach you. And it's okay for you to receive and love. Hopefully I'm teaching you in love. It's okay for you to receive what you're able to receive right where you're at. And depending on where you're at yourself, you can only receive what you are able to receive. And guess what the Lord wants you to be applying in your life? what he holds you accountable for, what he knows you've learned. Well, what he knows you've learned, that's what you're accountable for to him. I hope this makes some sense. Just because a group tells you you have to do A, B, C, D, E, F, G, but you have not learned all of those things, they can hold you accountable to those things, but it doesn't mean the Lord's holding you accountable to those things. And they may or may not be right to do it especially if we're talking about spiritual things, which is really what I'm trying to focus on here, is our relationship with the Lord and our level of maturity in that relationship and how we express that relationship in our own lives, how we express his love in our lives and how we follow and do what he's called us to follow and do in his ways. So hopefully I can love you the way Jesus loves you. And that's that's a learning curve too. I'm always going to be on that learning curve and so will you. Jesus says that and this by this all men will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. Right? The way that I have loved you, you must love one another. He says it all in those words. The way that he loves us, that's how we're supposed to love each other. Not necessarily with the love that we have before we understand his love. We have to learn about his love, see how he loves us, and then apply that kind of love, God's kind of love, to each other. And so maybe when you see someone and you recognize that maybe they're a spiritual five-year-old and they act like it, well, if they're a spiritual five-year-old, maybe it makes sense that they act like it. Now, if they're a spiritual 20-year-old and they're acting like a spiritual two-year-old and you know that they're not a two-year-old, then, then maybe you go and talk to that brother or sister in the Lord in love and have an honest conversation and encourage them to live up to what they've already attained, what, what they already understand. Or maybe they just need some encouragement in a good way. 
I, I love how the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 11, 1, he says, be imitators of me, even as I also am of Christ. In other words, the way that he follows Jesus, you follow him. That's what he's talking about. What's implied is in the ways that he's not following Jesus, don't follow that. And then in, in Philippians 3.16, it says this, Nevertheless, to what we have attained, let us walk by the same rule, being of the same mind. In other words, live up to what you've already attained. What's another way I could say this? What if I said it like this? Give yourself permission to act your age and give other people permission to act their age and don't hold it against them, but learn to be able to love others like the Lord loves you too. Now, I wanted to share with you kind of a list, spiritual growth checklist or something. I don't know exactly what to call it, but if you want a copy of this, go to the blog post at godsadopted.com and I have all of this there for you and you can look at it, check it out. I'm going to go over this right now. And obviously, if you're driving or anything like that, you can't really write anything down, but you could you could do this later if you like. And I just wanted to try and give us a way that we could think about different areas of our life and ways that we might be able to encourage ourselves where we're at, reality check, as well as encourage ourselves to keep growing because we can keep growing. So first is a spiritual maturity level checker. <laughs> so you know, what's our spiritual maturity level? And like, if we're going to use little letters, we could say L for low and M for medium and H for high. And so how about along the lines of our, our personal relationship with our father in heaven in the areas of emotional relationship or trust? And then how about the area of finances? And I'm going to break this apart a little bit. How mature are we in the area of tithes and offerings? What do we think about that? And how are we doing there? General provision, being able to trust God to provide for us, whether we need work or finances or anything. Relationship. How about the area of saving? And so if I say the area of financial savings, then... I'm really saying in the way that God wants you to. Because it could be different for different people. What about the area of health? How about food? Specifically dealing with food and stuff. How are we doing about maturity and food? Or exercise? Or recreation? How would I know where I'm at maturity-wise? And, and I'm talking spiritual maturity, but I'm talking about physical health and dealing with food and exercise and recruit. Well, if I know I need to be exercising and I'm not, then the question is why? Can I get God's help or do I need help in some other way? Or if I'm, if I am using food as a comforter instead of letting God be my comforter, maybe, maybe there's some growth that I need. Maybe there's some healing that I need. And what about the area of recreation or recreation, doing things for fun, having fun, having some fun in my life somewhere? And some people might call it recreation. Another one might be relationships and social life. How am I doing there? Am, do I need somebody? 
am I a kind of a person who needs to be married? The Apostle Paul talks about, you know, I wish that none of you would, would need to be married. You know, it'd be better if, no, if nobody had to get married. But if you need to, you should get married. And he talks about that in the Bible. If you can be single, great. But if you need to have relationship like a marriage, you know, maybe you need to be praying about that for that special person. Or maybe you just need some godly friendships in your life. And maybe you need to be praying for that. Or maybe you have some relationships and they're they're not a, a relationship that, that should continue because it's just unhealthy all the way. I'm just, I'm saying these things just so that we can kind of, what's our maturity level? How are we doing? Let's go on to another area. How about your spiritual gifts? Now, spiritual gifts, a lot of times are broken down into two different kinds or groupings, motivational gifts and power gifts. Motivational gifts, if you go in your Bible in the New Testament, read chapter 12. There's motivational gifts. They're basically God creates everybody and he creates us in a particular way. And we're all unique. There's only one of you. Only one person like you exists and has ever existed in all time. It's amazing. God put you together in a certain way. I know that God built me in a certain way, that I have certain skills and giftings that motivate me. Like I get excited about doing certain things to try and help people or make certain things happen and stuff. And some people would just like, it would be so boring if they tried some of the things that I do. And I get excited about it because I'm built a certain way. How are you built? Read Romans chapter 12 and consider what are your motivational gifts? How did God put you together? And then power gifts like gifts of the Holy Spirit, uh, you know, like miracles and faith and, and different things. Now, there are people or groups of people that don't believe that, that certain gifts exist anymore, but it's always been curious to me. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the Apostle Paul talks about these gifts of the Holy Spirit. And he encourages believers, even you and me, to pray to God and ask for these gifts. And then in chapter 13, which is the chapter a lot of people that don't believe they exist anymore use, it's like they ignore part of the, of the chapter and what it says in its context. And it basically ultimately is saying that if you have all these gifts or any of them and you don't use them in love, then it's no good. And then it talks about that when everything's said and done, when, when the body of Christ finally becomes the perfect man, the perfect, other words, complete, completely whole and completed, completely matured, there's not going to be a need for, these, for all these other gifts. All that's going to be left is faith, hope, and love. But the thing is, that completion hasn't happened yet. And then in chapter 14, in 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul talks about the proper use and the orderly use of the gifts. So in 12, he talks about the gifts. 13, he talks about tempering and being wise and doing things always in love. And that it's not going to be forever, but it is for now. And then in 14, he talks about more clarity on proper usage and everything. How about gifts? Where are you in your spiritual gifts? Have you ever talked about that? 
And, and it's okay if you have it. I just, I'm sharing some of these things because I want to encourage us all to keep growing in the Lord. And some of these are different areas that we can grow. How is Jesus discipling you at this time in your life? Maybe, maybe you've had a season of life where you haven't really had any desire to read the Bible, but maybe it's time to start reading the Bible again. If you haven't, I would encourage you to, to keep it simple. Make a commitment that you can make, that you know that you can make. I had a person recently telling me, oh, you need to start reading your Bible 30 minutes a day. And I tell you what, everything inside of me was like, I can't read the Bible 30 minutes a day. I can't. I, I'm the kind of a person that if I cannot make a commitment, then I'm going to be honest about it because I want to be honest to myself about it too. If someone says, hey, can you read your Bible 30 minutes a day? And I'll be like, mm, no, I can't make that commitment. And what I ended up doing was I ended up making a commitment for myself for 10 minutes a day. Why? Because I, I, I had a piece about that. I knew I could do that. And, and I literally, I, I, I'm just starting in the gospel of, of Mark. And then I'm, I'm going Mark, Matthew, Luke, John, and I'm going to go straight through the New Testament like that. And I'm not going to do a bunch of study notes and study guides and all that kind of stuff. If I, I hadn't read the Bible for a while, so I'm going to read it through again without all of that. And if you haven't read the Bible straight through like that before, then I want to encourage you to do that. And you know, what if it's only five minutes you can commit to? I'm doing, I'm doing 10 minutes. I set a timer for myself. When the timer goes off, I mark where I'm at in the Bible. If I, if I want to pray about anything particular, I pray. Or if I have questions about stuff, I'll write questions down. Sometimes I write them down in the Bible or wherever. A lot of times God answers my questions as I keep reading the Bible. And sometimes I'll ask a friend or brother or sister in the Lord that I trust, that I believe knows the Lord and is wise about the things of the Bible and God. And I'll ask them what they think something might mean or a question that I might have. You can tell I get a little bit excited about this because, oh my goodness, there's life. I Part of how I found out that God was so real and so true to what he says is, well, I found out what he said and I looked around and I live life and I can see that what he says is true. And whatever I understand to the level, I understand it. Because some things you get older and you understand more clearly later. You know, with a little child, you point up to the sky and you say what color it is. And the little kid is like, well, it's blue. And, and they're amazed that it's blue. With an older child, you might say, do you know why it's blue? And they might tell you, well, it's because of, you know, there's water in the air and different things and the light and the sun. And, and it ends up looking blue to us. I mean, different levels. Both true, but to the understanding, to the extent that is able to be understood by the individual, which means us too. How is Jesus discipling you right now? Is it you and the Holy Spirit and the Bible, maybe Bible study, or maybe books? Maybe there's a book that could be an encouraging thing for you to read. I've read books by one guy named A.W. Tozer and been really blessed and really encouraged, encouraged towards growing more and trusting Jesus more. There was a book I read one time called Through, Through Gates of Splendor about a missionary named Bill Elliott. A different book I read called No Compromise by Keith Green. And that was really encouraging to trust Jesus no matter what. 
and I and I've read some other books by someone named C.S. Lewis. Maybe you've heard of him. There's just different things, and they can build us up and encourage us. Now, I'm not saying go go read those books, but if you want to, they could be a blessing for you. I'm just saying there's different ways Jesus can disciple us. He's God, and sometimes it's just Him and you and the Bible and prayer. Sometimes maybe how about a church? Is there a church that you're a part of? Maybe you're in a Sunday school class and you're receiving discipleship from the Lord as being part of that Sunday school class. How about like a mentoring or discipling relationship? There is a time and a place for that too. I've been in in a relationship before where the reason that we met was for discipling. This was an older person in the Lord and they were sharing with me ways to grow in a deeper relationship with the Lord. And it included Bible study and and understanding verses in different ways and praying and just sharing about God and ourselves so that we could keep growing in the Lord. Now, how about this? Do you know where your place in the body of Christ is? Do you have your place? The Bible talks about the body of Christ as a body. And it says how each of us are different members, but it's one body. I used to say, you know, if God made you a big toe, then the question is, is where where are you supposed to be in the body of Christ so you can be the big toe for God that he created you to be? And if you don't know, pray about it. Maybe there's a church or something like that, or maybe there's something that you have on your heart to do. Maybe it's a ministry. Maybe it's a way that that people could be helped or blessed and you could do it. And when you do it, God can be glorified through it because he gave you that desire to help people in that special way. And when they receive help, you get to share about Jesus with them. Or they're just blessed in some way that God wanted to really bless them. So let me ask you, are you in a regular Christian fellowship somewhere being gathered together with other believers? And if you're not, I want to encourage you to be. Do you have someone or a group or a small group or something that you can talk about things of God with and share things and pray for each other? If yes, then praise the Lord. And if no, then I... I'm going to pray for you that that the Lord would establish that for you soon. Here are the Bible verses that came to my mind and my heart as I was putting this, this small study together for us. So John 16, 13 says, However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you things that are coming. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Do your best to present yourself approved by God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, properly handling the word of truth. And Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, and piercing even to the dividing of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow, and is able to discern the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And Philippians 3.16 says, Nevertheless, to what we have attained, 
let us walk by the same rule, being of the same mind. In Hebrews 10, verses 24 to 25, let us consider how to motivate one another to love and good works, not forsaking our own assembling together, as the custom of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more, as you see the day approaching. 1 Timothy 4, 7-16 says this, But have nothing to do with irreverent and silly myths, and train yourself for godliness, for bodily exercise has some value, but godliness has value in all things, having the promise of the life which is now and of that which is to come. This saying is faithful and worthy of all acceptance. For to this end we both labor and strive, because we have set our trust in the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. Command and teach these things. Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to those who believe in word, in your way of life, in love, in faith, and in purity. Until I come, pay attention to reading, to exhortation, and to teaching. Do not neglect the gift that is in you, which was given to you by prophecy with the laying on of the hands of the elders. Be diligent in these things. Give yourself wholly to them, that your progress may be revealed to all. Pay attention to yourself and to your teaching. Continue in these things, for in doing this you will save both yourself and those who hear you. Then in Proverbs 27, 17, it says, Iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens his friend's countenance. Hebrews 5, 12 through 14 says this, For when by reason of the time you ought to be teachers, you again need to have someone teach you the rudiments of the first principles of the oracles of God. You have come to need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is not experienced in the word of righteousness, for he is a baby. But solid food is for those who are full grown, who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern good and evil. And 1 Corinthians 11.1 1 says this, Be imitators of me, even as I also am of Christ. Let me close in prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the honor and the time to be able to share what I believe you put on my heart with my brothers and sisters, even through this podcast. I pray for your blessings on each of us, and I pray for encouragement and strength to continue to run after the things you want us to run after and to be encouraged to grow more and more closer to you and in learning to love one another as you love us. In Jesus' name, amen. To get a copy of this episode's checklist and the Bible verses, please go to the blog post at godsadopted.com, and this is episode 13. Please share this podcast with someone if you think it could be a blessing or encouragement to them today. I love seeing how our real living God is working in and through our real living lives in this real world. Please subscribe to this podcast and keep listening. If you are encouraged in some way and want to leave a review, please do that by writing your review on iTunes. 
If you haven't already, please drop in and say howdy in our Facebook group when you can. See you next Water with Jesus. <laughs>